This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Okay, I think we can get started now. Uh, thanks for coming. This is, uh, I'm going to read this right off there. What can a network do for you and how can you join one? That's, that's what we're going to be talking about. And a few uh, related things. Um, I'm going to introduce everybody on the panel very quickly, and, but I want to tell a story first. Uh, well, I'll, I'll introduce first. Uh, right next to me, from Audio Boom, Brendan Regan, and I don't remember exactly what your title is. You're head of the content, but I always like to call you uh, executive vice president in charge of production, and the reason is because that was Barney Rubble's title when he uh, became Fred's boss on one episode. Let's just go with that then. Okay, yeah. so, something like that. Uh, next to him is the co-founder of Lemonada Media, which is uh, an incredibly fascinating network of podcasts, Stephanie Whittles Wax. And I almost said Wax because I just asked you to make sure that how to pronounce your name and okay. my brain just almost did that. But Stephanie Whittles Wax. And next to her is from UTA, uh, the agent for a lot of up and coming podcasts, uh, Shelby Shankman. So we will get to each one of their stories and uh, a lot more. But first, I want to tell you about myself and a story that is apropos. Uh, my name is Perry Michael Simon. I am the editor-in-chief of allaccess.com, which is a trade publication for the radio, music, and podcasting industries. And I've been doing that for 25 years. Along the way, though, I also have been a podcaster and I have been associated with a podcast network. And when I was working in management at a podcast network, and this was uh, roughly about 10 years ago, the a question arose in my mind about networks, and it, I think, was a good question when you're talking about uh, managing a podcast network, but my bosses uh, didn't really seem to agree, and this is what happened. I, I realized that uh, we had a nice, nice lineup of shows, and we were doing very, very well in terms of downloads, and, but a couple of shows were having a little bit of a problem signing off on paperwork, they were unhappy with this, they weren't happy with that. And it occurred to me to ask the question, what are we doing for these shows? And the reason I asked that was this. Uh, we had a sales organization, actually at one point we had two at the same time, selling our ads. Uh, we had a, a studio, but most of the shows didn't use it. We had production, uh, assistance, but most of the shows didn't use it. So I asked them, what should we be telling people? What do we do for them? What does our network do that they can't do themselves? And they never got an answer. That network doesn't exist anymore. And I think that, that that's telling, but it's also uh, a good thing that the networks that have survived have they can answer that question. They can tell you what they do for their clients and for their for their roster of shows. And uh, we will be getting to that. And uh, Brendan representing a, a network that is uh, that also it has it's a company that has many facets. But one of the things they do is produce and distribute 
shows, and he can answer uh, questions about that. And Shelby can talk about what her clients need from networks. But I'm going to start with Stephanie. And uh, wow, that was a curveball. And uh, what I wanted, to, what I want to ask you first, I, I want to kind of set this up because I don't know if everybody in the room knows your story, but uh, you started with one show that was obviously very personal for you and your partner, and it, it became successful and it spawned the network, but the, I want to go even further back. You had this story, you wanted to tell it, and you decided to do it as a podcast, why? Yeah. Um I don't know if I wanted to tell this story, actually, uh, but I did have a real need and a real yearning to explore the topic in a personal way. So some context is, um, I, this is a real bummer. We're going to start real sad. Um, I lost my brother in 2015 to a heroin overdose. His name's Harris Whittles. If you've ever seen Parks and Recreation, you've seen him. Uh, I thought that I was going to absolutely die from grief. It was awful. And as a family member, I was like, but I did all the things you told me to do, and it still didn't work, right? I didn't feel like I had the right roadmap, um, and I was loving, and I tried, and, it's, and it still didn't work. A couple years later, my partner, Jessica Cordova-Kramer, lost her brother the same way. She was in the same situation. She was living in Minneapolis. I was living in Texas at the time, did not know each other. She heard me on a podcast um, called Terrible Thanks for Asking by my friend Norrin McInerney. And she said for the first time she smiled, like her face made that shape. She laughed, because even if I'm talking about sad things, I like to make jokes. That's my um, language. And she felt hope, like that hope of, okay, this, this woman, this stranger, got through this horrible thing, and maybe I can too. Uh, and that's the power, of, that is the power of podcasting. Like, why podcast? Because I don't know. They're the most intimate medium, I think. Um, you're, it's in your actual ears. You feel really connected to the host, you know, if you're, if you're doing it right. Um, she reached out to me cold. We had this very cosmic trauma bond connection. Uh, and at the very end of our conversation, I was like a week away from giving birth at this point, like was in no position to be making a podcast or starting a company, to be clear. Um, she said, do you want to do a show about the opioids crisis? And she at the time was the executive producer of Pod Save the People with DeRay McKesson. Um, and I love that show, which is why I took the call. Uh, and I said, no, I do not. Thank you so much. Heroin has taken up a lot of my life already, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. But she planted the seed um, of an idea. And a couple months later, I was scrolling Twitter. It said, opioids are killing more people than car accidents picked up the phone, and I think I emailed her, uh, the world is terrible, let's make it better. Something like that, you know, and we got to work. So it was, it was one of those things that, you know, and, and I always tell people, when you're starting a show, what is your central question? What is the thing you want to explore? And why are you the one to do it? Um, and so we had a really specific goal. We were like, what could we have done differently to save our brothers? That was our goal. That was what we wanted to do. But how did that get to become a network? Because you started with that one show, yeah. and now it is a, a large network with yeah. a lot of shows that have a mostly have a common theme in terms of the you know I, I wouldn't say self help as much as it is it's about mental health. It's about yeah. you know addressing issues that other people aren't. When did that become a network? How did you decide that that was what you wanted? 
Yeah, we did that Simon Sinek uh, exercise, what is the why, you know, where you start with that like circle. And our why was to make the hard a little easier. That was the first thing we wanted to do. We were like, life is hard. That is just baseline. It sucks. How do we make it not suck? <laughs> like, we still have to get out of bed and do our jobs and raise our children and, you know. Um, and so we realized life is really hard. This was before the pandemic, okay? This was 2019. Life is really hard for everybody, not just addiction, not just you know, like little ways, big ways, systemic ways, little irritating ways. How can we connect people and make content and community that make people feel less alone, that talks about really hard things with humor and levity? You know, when I tell people what the show is about, they're like, ugh, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I, I'm, it's going to be fun. I'll make jokes. I say a lot of bad words. Um, we, you know, we make it accessible. So um, really talking about the human the human experience behind the headlines is what we're dealing with at Lemonada, and our motto is make life suck less. So now we have 60 staff members, 26 shows, 31 by the end of the year. I'm very tired, and it's great. We will get back to this, but uh, I wanted to get to Shelby. Uh, since we're doing origin stories, mm -hmm. you, uh, the job of being an agent for podcasters didn't exist not too long ago. And now it does, and you're in it. How'd you get there? So actually, and it, it's interesting hearing you know your story because I my first job out of college was in the mailroom at UTA, and the only thing that I knew was I did not want to represent traditional, you know, talent, which was directors, writers, actors, etc. And I really, for me, like I have to have a passion behind what I'm doing and I really saw that in audio and I saw that in stories that I was listening to, you know, back then it was Guy Raz and even Serial and like the intensity that I was feeling like really hearing these people's mission and passion and, and their stories, and that was what drew me. So I was the stubborn person in the mailroom that was like, I'm not settling for repping an actor. Not that I have anything against actors, um, but I really needed to feel like I was connecting with the world and really helping to elevate voices that I believed in. So, and then it exploded. <laughs> so here we are. Good move. Uh, <laughs> while, we're, while we're doing origin stories, you got one? I gotta follow that. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, I needed a job. At the end of the day, that's it. Thank you. They were hiring. Okay. I, I worked in radio. That was uh, kind of on the downswing, and uh, digital was up. Yeah. Uh, Me too. So simple. All right. So uh, back to Stephanie. Um, okay. Let's get heavy. That's enthusiastic. I love the enthusiasm. I like to bring the energy down. Yes. Um, Way down. I, I, I want to find out a little bit about the operation. Um, Lemonada is a content company. Uh, some networks handle everything. Some farm stuff out. Lemonada started out, I know that you had some sales rep you know, relationships. Where is it now? What, what does Lemonada provide to the content creators that you have right now? Yeah, we're a fully self-sustaining farm. Is that farm lingo? We are self-sustainable. Oh my God, okay. Um, we do it all. So we did start early on with some amazing sales partners. Uh, in fact, we went, we were, we met with you guys like. Yeah, but you didn't hire us. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. But we did meet with you. 
and we had a Th great that meeting. I really liked you. That's yeah. This was years ago. Um, yeah, we we were like, okay, we know how to make the content, but we um, need help monetizing it, right? We you know, and I think we learned a lot from our early partners. But really, at the end of the day, when we were about a year and a half in, we figured. Um, we're the best set suited to sell our own content. I think a, a lot of what we saw was people would be like, oh, we don't want to, we don't want to buy an ad on that depressing show. And it's like, no, 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 it's not depressing. So if we were sort of telling people, agencies, um, partners, sponsors, like here's actually what the show is about. And it's not a bummer. It's actually about solutions and hope and making life better. Um, we were able to sell at a higher CPM. And so we brought all of that in house. We do marketing distribution, development, production, we do all of it. And, oh my gosh, so sorry, I'm just gonna say one more thing, okay. And I think a unique way that we work is that from the very beginning, you're getting all of those departments at the, at the front end. So it's not like a lot of networks where you're making a show and at the very end, it gets shoved over to marketing and they say, sell it now. Marketing is there right at the beginning, right at the table with us. And we are, we are collaborating. We do not work in silos. Um, and we're touching base along the way. Because you know as creators, if you're a creator, you have a concept that's here. And then you put it on paper. And then when you start to make it, it's absolutely going to change. So you have to be, you know, that's like art. That's making art. So you have to be in conversation constantly with your teams to make sure that you're all selling the same show, marketing the same show, um, and that it's within the ethos of the network. Brendan, we, uh, your company is a little bit different because you have a, a range of different shows that are, you know, they don't necessarily follow a theme. They're just a, a bunch of shows in different categories. Uh, what, how, do, how do you approach that? How do you, do you uh, make sure that a show doesn't get lost in the, in the mix, that you have every, every base covered in terms of uh, when, a, when a show joins your network or if you find them and you develop them, that they get the attention that they need? Uh, well, I think it, you know, we're a sales company at the end of the day. Um, it's not sexy to say, um, but that's the truth. Um, and you know, we have a lot of advertisers, so we're always kind of trying to allocate different types of shows and different types of niches for those different types of advertisers. And then as far as, you know, the marketing uh, part that uh, Stephanie touched on, um, you know, we have people on our team that they're just doing cross promotions uh, and they're doing that without, within the Audio Boom network where, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's a show about, you know, reality shows, uh, but you don't necessarily have to cross promote on just another reality show. You can try to uh, expand that audience by cross promoting on a, something that hits a similar genre and demographic or cross promote on a fancy football show. I mean, or you know, we work with networks like Lemonada uh, where we're working with another network not within Audiboom's ecosystem just to continue to grow audience and kind of raise all ships. The magic word is cross promotion. And uh, I know Lemonada, I noticed that in a lot of your feeds that you'll feed another show in there. Uh, am I wrong in that, in feeling like cross-promotion is maybe the most important uh, element to marketing, uh, a, a new, especially a new podcast. I think so. I think so. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, like this is, this is called what can a network do for you? Uh, that is a thing a network can do for you. I think that, you know, when you have a brand new show, it's so hard to nurture and grow audience on a brand new show. So if you have another show that has an existing audience, with a host that's saying, hey, 
this is a great show. You should listen to it. It's like a recommendation from a friend. And, and we find great success in cross-promo. Uh, what's more effective, though, is sending an episode of a show into an, the feed of another show more or less effective than having the host of one show be a guest on another? Both. They both. We, yeah, we, we do we it do, all. We do a combination yeah. of that as well. Um, you know, you also don't want to spam people. So, so that's the other thing to keep in mind. Totally, totally. You know, you don't want to put an, what we call an RSS drop. Um, is that what you guys call it? Yep, yeah, RSS, yes. You, you don't want to kind of do that every single day because then, you know, people are getting that in their podcast feed and they're going to get annoyed and then they'll be turned off from the, uh, the show that you're promoting on. Um, so we, for some of our bigger shows, we try not to necessarily do that too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, just not to annoy the audience. So that's when maybe a guest opportunity or doing yeah. a cross-promotion where you're just doing a, a read for one show, mm -hmm. you're just kind of giving a recommendation and they're just doing the same for you. And I'll add in there too, like that, you know, kind of going more towards the deal side of things too, like that's a point of negotiation, right? It's like, can Audio Boom have access to a feed drop on this show? How does it affect this show? How does it affect the other one? So it's like, those are things we're constantly thinking through, but then again, overall, like, when you are launching a show, of course, you can go do it independently, and for some people, that does make sense, but having the marketing and having the push and the cross-promo from these networks can be truly instrumental in terms of just getting it to that next point and really breaking through the white noise, so. Do you, when, you, when you're negotiating these things, do you ever get resistance on that point, or, or do you find that networks are open to using cross-promotion, because... Uh, and I'll say, the reason I'm asking that is because back in my day, which I, I have to say, you know, get off my lawn, uh, the, the shows that we had, the, the successful shows that we had were tremendously resistant to promoting other shows because, and there were a lot of egos involved. Uh, what shows are these, Perry? Uh, we'll, Throw we'll them talk, under we'll, the bus. We'll talk after. We'll talk <laughs> Name afterwards. names. Yeah, we'll talk afterwards. Uh, but yeah, there were, there were people who had a problem with the idea that their show was going to be used to promote somebody else's show. They eventually came around, but I'm wondering if that is no longer the case and if everybody kind of goes with it now. I mean, yeah, look, like, I'm, I'm not going to, like, it's not, it's not 100%. You're not going to, like, um, like, it's true. You have a feed. You work really hard to build that feed. You want to protect the feed. You want to protect the experience for your audience. Um, so I think what Brendan said, you have to be really strategic about it and, you know, not like drop something every week and with your bigger shows, really work collaboratively, collaboratively with your hosts to say, you know, here's why this is going to be beneficial. Here's how this is going to help you. I mean, it's a conversation. It's not like a, you must do this. It's, it has to be collaborative and they have to have buy-in as well. And you also pay people on occasion, right? If, if you're marketing a show, you're launching a show, there might be a budget attached to that. And then, you know, we can buy ads on our own network. Uh, we can buy ads on, on Lemonada, which I believe we've done recently. Yep. Um, Thank so you. There's, you're welcome. <laughs> so th there's opportunity there, too, if there's a marketing budget where, you know, maybe to get past that ego is if you could go, that, what was the host's name again? No All right. All right. Uh, well, no, no you know, comment. If you go, if you go to that uh, the host that has the bit of an ego and say, "Well, here's X amount of dollars to do this," you know that could also twist their arm. I think I think he knows who I'm talking about. Anyway, um, I, I want to change gears a little bit um, because one of the things that we 
you know, the, the title right here, which I'm reading right off our screen here, which is kind of useless. It's actually showing us, you can't see it, but it's just showing us our pictures. Like, like, we, like it, yeah. This, that, is, this is Stephanie. Yeah, yeah th this is like, no prompter, you know. So anyway, it says, and how you can join one. Uh, let me ask you guys, and I'll start with Brendan. What are you looking for, uh, and how and how does the process work? Do you are you, for example, for Audio Boom, are you scouting for shows, or do the shows come to you, or both? How do, how does the process work to get a new show on? It? It's uh it's both. Um, you know, we have shows that approach us. We approach shows. We work with people like you know Shelby, um, who are you know going out to networks. You know, not just Audio Boom. I'm sure Lemonada um, and likewise networks trying to pitch shows out and representing the talent. So um, there's a combination of things. There's some stuff where there, we just kind of find a show when it's kind of like lower in downloads and we kind of help it grow over time. It organically grows and you know, then Shelby signs them and they take it to Lemonada. But, but, but let me see if I can refine this a little bit and you may not have an answer for this because sometimes it is just subjective, but um, how do you know? Uh, are, what, are you looking for number of downloads? Are you looking for a, a, you know, social media following? Are you looking for the topic? Are you just going on gut instinct? How do you, how, how did you as the guy at uh, Audio Boom know that a show belongs on your network? You don't, <laughs> um, but it's a combination of all that. Mm -hmm. um, downloads helps, because you know at the end of the day, we're a sales organization, so you need to sell those ads to an audience. Um, but then if you're launching a show from scratch, you might look at social media. Um, you know, does somebody have, what I like to look for, uh, if somebody has a lot of YouTube followers, do they also have a lot of Instagram and Twitter followers, are they able to move uh, listeners from platform to platform? Because then most likely they can move them, hey, go check this out on Spotify, and their fan base is loyal enough to actually do it. Do you, uh, no, I'm not gonna ask that. Um, what? No, 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 no. Uh, but, do, are, are people, when somebody comes to you, okay, uh, do they need to be re represented? Do they need to, like, can somebody just email you cold with a show? Or do, you, do they need some kind of a representation or some kind of an in in order to do that? They, you know, they, they can email us cold. We, we have uh, a submission form on our website. Uh, a lot of our shows have come to us that way. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we have a team that's kind of reaching out to people if they think the show might be, you know, might have some audience, it might be monetizable. Um, it might eventually grow because it's just a really good show. At the end of the day, you know, uh, the phrase content is king, it's the cream's going to rise to the top. So if we find a show that, hey, this is a really great show, it's a low audience, that's when we can maybe cross promo and do some marketing and grow it to make it more sellable. Stephanie, how, do, how does Lemonada work? Uh, is the, do people come to you with ideas? Do you develop it with in-house with other people that you know? How, how does mm -hmm. how, how do you work it? Yeah, there it's all of those. So we we get emails from Shelby and other agencies that are, you know have clients that want to pitch their shows. We get we have a general inbox. Hey at lemonadamedia.com. If you'd like to submit, we definitely get indie indie podcasters who submit to us, and we are looking for a combination of. Um, that engagement with the host, right? It's not always like, I, I actually don't want to, you can have like a gajillion social media followers who won't click your show and they won't listen. So when I was like, I wrote a book and you know, I remember getting the feedback, well, she doesn't have enough 
social media followers, right? Like, she, you know, we don't want to we don't want to sign her. The big companies, and it's like, yeah, but I I wrote a really heartfelt book, and I finally found a smaller agency who was able, you know, who took the gamble on me, uh, an unknown, uh, uh, you know, and pay, it paid off for them. It paid off for me. Same thing with like last day. Last day when we started it, I don't, I still don't have a huge social media following. Um, some people have followings in, in the millions, but if they are not super passionate about their show, not super engaged, if it's not their biggest priority, that's what we really look for. So we look for a host who is putting it first, who really wants to do the work, really wants to tell their story. Um, you know, if it's a show that we're acquiring, you know, we're, we're bringing other shows, existing shows now into the Lemonada umbrella, we're obviously gonna be looking at downloads, what is their following, how, what are their ratings, what are their reviews? Um, and then we make sure that there's mission alignment, of course. So, you know, if you think you have a show that fits into Lemonada's mission of making life suck less, um, we'd love to hear it. It's it's, uh, it's broad enough, but also specific enough that when we get a pitch, we know like, okay, that doesn't fit into this, it's not for us. Um, if you're doing, you know, like we don't do a ton of true crime on Lemonada. Um, we do true crime upside down. So we did a show called Believe Her uh, about a woman who is still in prison in New York um, for murdering an abusive partner. And we wanted to tell a story about, about criminalized survival. And we just figured out, like, okay, well, if we tell it in a true crime container, people will listen. <laughs> it would be more boring to just do a show about criminalized survival and how a lot of women in prison are there because they have defended themselves and the system didn't work for them. Um, so now we do true crime our way, right? So there's, you can kind of, like, see what works for you and not. And also, we are hiring senior producers at this point. So if you are a senior producer, you can go to our website and there are jobs listed. Thank you. The... Uh, it, it, it's follow her on Twitter because she doesn't have a lot of social media followers. Yeah. I'm very alone. <laughs> the, I think it's important to note um, from that that you really, if you're going to pitch or you know either call, call call or pitch a network to carry your show, have some idea about what that network is all about because some networks are open to you know any genre, so audio boom would be appropriate if you have something that doesn't. You know, it's appropriate for everybody, but if you go to Lemonada with a sports show and it has nothing to do with the mission of the network, you're not going to get very far. So, it's like in any other walk of life, uh, if you're going to pitch somebody on something like getting hired or getting your show on a network, um, have an idea of who you're talking to and have an idea of what they're all about. And you're not going to go with a, you know, a serious show about... The, uh, the prison system and take it to Barstool Sports. So, We'd take that, though. But, well, yeah, so, you, so have an idea of who you're, who you're pitching. And speaking of pitching and uh, representation, Shelby, uh, similar question, but more about the representation. Uh, how does somebody get representation? How do you know somebody is ready for representation? When are they ready? Well, so I just want to take a step backwards for one second just to go back to kind of the the buyer side of things and I think that will segue in but you know if I ask Brendan and Stephanie right now right like what is your mandate there is a chance that in two months from now it might shift right and that's that's the beauty of audio that's mm -hmm. what's amazing about podcasting hopefully it does shift into <laughs> scripted fiction one of these days but I don't know about sorry that. <laughs> we'll see uh, um but 
with that, right, like every podcast, every podcaster, everyone who wants to enter the industry, there is a way to approach it, and it really is different for everyone. But at an agency, we do have this really unique view into everyone across the industry and relationships and connections, and we're constantly hearing things. So it can be very, very additive. It's more of a question of, you know, is it the right time? When is the right time, right, and, and why? And I think that if we see an incoming pitch and we're really passionate about it, like, you know, maybe we know that it's the right fit for Lemonade and we're just like, this This makes sense. Or to Brendan's point, you know, there could be a show that maybe is on the lower end, but we know that with a marketing push, you know, cross promo from a couple shows on Audio Boom, it could end up skyrocketing up the charts and like that could be a bet, you know, that I might be personally willing to take. So it's kind of a, a give or take, or it's just that we're really passionate, right? Again, what I was saying about the story we're hearing, we really want to put it into the world. Um, so I think it's kind of a combination of everything, but. Okay, um, let me ask you a, a general question, all of you. Uh, can an independent compete with a network at this point? And the, the business has changed so much over the last uh, you know, 15 years or so, where uh, you know, it used to be back in the day, a couple of guys, a mic and a laptop, and you could, get a lot of downloads and get a lot of attention and then maybe sign up an ad sales company to work for you. Uh, now it seems like most of the top ranking shows, not all, but most are affiliated with a network one way or another. Do you think that there is room for somebody to, you know, like bef before Joe Rogan signed with Spotify, he was an independent and he had the, he had some, uh, uh, head start by being a celebrity before he started the podcast, but still, it was an independent show. It competed with the big boys. Then he signed for a lot of money. Uh, but it used to be that that was the case. Is it still the case? Can somebody independent really survive without the support of a network, or has that day gone by? I think you can. It's just a lot of work, because um, then it becomes a full-time job. And are there enough downloads? Is there enough potential revenue where you can, you know, quit your day job and do it? Uh, you know, touching on what you mentioned about Joe Rogan, you know, it, how do you define a network? Might be the better question because he had somebody doing his ad sales, right? Um, and he was Joe Rogan, so he didn't need anyone to really market his show, uh, like you kind of touched on. Mm -hmm. So you know, he kind of had the benefit of celebrity and the ad sales, and then you know, you have all the ad copy, the accounting, and people were handling that for him. Um, is that one of your questions next? You're like, oh, this asshole stole that. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's how, how do you define a network? Um, yeah. is, it, is it what Lemonade is doing and you're producing it all from in-house? Or is it somebody's just doing your ad sales and you found an audience either through celebrity, through cross-promotion, um, through just having a really great show? Yeah, I, I, I think that the definition of network is what you, you know, basically it's, it's in the eyes of the beholder in, in a way. It, it, it can be an ad sales network, but I think we found, back, back in the early days, it was really ad sales more than anything else uh, with a few uh, that had a kind of a running theme and did the production and that kind of thing. Now it seems like it's... Uh, Either, either it's a something like Lemonada that has, uh, you know, the theme running through it, and all the shows are being produced uh, 
either in-house or closely aligned with the with the company, or it's just a massive sales operation. So it's you know it can be Audio Boom, it can be Stitcher, it can be something like that where uh, it's you know the, the the marketing and ad sales are are the thing. So when we're talking about networks, we're talking about both. But uh, you know I, I think if you're an independent right now, or if you're just coming up at this point, you're really looking for somebody either way to handle the back end because yes it can be it could become your full-time job even if you don't have time to do the full-time job and it can uh, anybody else hear that or is my or, or is my brain starting to malfunction uh, yes that was the emergency alert system and uh, we are all in trouble uh, anyway so uh, I did I did want to also get to the topic of IP but before we do that I just want to let you know that if you want to ask questions or if you have anything that you, any observations that you want to get out here uh, we are open to it I'm not going to have a Q&A session at the end but if you raise your hand there is a microphone somewhere around here and we can entertain that question you know, at, on the fly so just uh, feel free to do that um, but getting back to IP uh, I'll go to Shelby on this one because this is something that uh, obviously is uh, especially in Hollywood, has become, a, you know, just a, a major thing about podcasts is, um, you know, just the idea of a podcast being intellectual property that uh, can be exploited in other uh, media. And uh, you've seen podcasts become television shows and uh, they can become movies and they can become whatever. Uh, is, I, and not to give away anything that you negotiate but uh, how receptive do you find the people that you're negotiating with to the idea that the creator uh, retains some or all of the IP rights? So there's kind of two buckets. So if it's a chat show, right, and we're either launching it or it's pre-existing, I will go to my grave fighting, you know, to own that unless we for some reason really do have to give on it. And if we are giving on it, it's for other reasons, right? It's maybe there's production support, maybe there's a big minimum guarantee, I don't know. Um, but the second part of it is more the limited series, right? And this is where actually being at an agency like UTA is really additive and, and helpful because we have specific individuals in every department now that are really helping to build out podcast IP, right? So if we rep let's say a production company that's creating a limited series, we can put them in the right room in terms of production companies in the TV space to ultimately take it you know, to Apple and HBO and wherever. Um, and that's been amazing to see. So it's really those are like the two different ways to look at it. And the models, again, are completely different depending on what kind of show it is. Does that issue come up with you at uh, Audio Boom? It's really just not our game. Uh, you know, like Shelby mentioned, it's it's typically the limited series, um, and she's gonna fight to her grave if it's like I want to take half of that chat show. Um, so it's it's really not on the table for the deals. It's not something we're really looking for. Um, the benefit of it, in in you know, in my eyes, would be retention. If there, if we do own some of the IP, it's harder for Shelby to come in and then take that show to Lemonada. Um, so sorry, Stephanie. It's okay. But, but it's really not something that we're uh, kind of looking for or asking for. Okay, and is, is that something that Lemonada is, 
it's important to learn an audit. Yeah, I mean, we, we make a lot of we make a lot of our stuff in house. Like we're we're creators, and um, so we have those conversations as well. Yeah, all the time with our deals. Another thing about Lemonada is that it is uh, a female-owned media company in a business that has not always had too many of those. How important is that for you? It's 80% women on staff. So our leadership team is uh, basically all women, 40% um, people of color. It's really important to us. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we're, we're telling stories where um, – that makes a difference. Who's who's telling the story? And I think that Lemonada's mission, um, you know, I don't know if I'd say like it's woman run, you know, but it, it does feel like there is something in there that feels women run. <laughs> um, we we have we have an empathy about our company. We have a. Um, I'm not saying that men can't be empathetic. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying um, we. This feels like a shot. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> We try really hard to make life suck less for our staff as well as our listeners. That's like all across the board. So we're trying really hard to do it better where we're not all burning out and um, doing what media has, has done historically. Um, but I do want to say one more thing. I want to go back to the independent question that you asked. Um, when we first started pitching out last day, we, got the, we, we pitched it out to big networks and we kept getting the feedback that it was too niche. And we were like, we promise you it's not. Uh, you know, like me, people might not be talking about this stuff, but they're definitely struggling with it in silence. And so we, you know, marry, in my case, or befriend a really great designer who can make you a beautiful deck. That's the only reason I married my husband. And um, we've been together 10 years, so it's going really well. Um, and then, like, you know, make that deck and, and get in a studio and put some audio down and show that you know what you're doing and that you have a proof point. Um, we like would not take no for an answer. When people kept telling us no, we were like, screw it, we're just gonna do it ourselves. So I mean, there is, and now we do have a network, but we really did start with this one idea that we were really bullish on. Um, and so I always encourage people to, if they have that kind of thing that's keeping them awake at night, like go for it. And I'll, I'll add in there too, I think that is the beauty of the space, right? If you're told no, right, by totally. all these networks, you can still go and do it and kind of prove yourself. And so, and that kind of just goes back to the point that there is no right time in audio. It's, it kind of can just happen. So. Um, I think we have a question. Yeah, um, my name is Angela Messino. I'm an independent podcast producer, but I've spent many years in public media. Uh, my question is about the relationship you have with independent producers who are bringing you content and what that ownership share looks like. For, for me? Uh, yes, and I would also describe Lemonada as empathetic, so, and Thank it's you. women run, and it's yeah, one of our your growth has values. been amazing to watch. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't, um, we haven't had any of our, like, an independent producer come and, and say, I want to produce this show in-house. We've, um, I think we're open to that, of course, um, but it has not happened yet. It's been a lot of, like, okay, we did this podcast, this issue came up, let's do another show about that. Um, and so there's a lot coming at us right now where um, I don't, I don't and, and that's the ebbing and the flowing. Like, I, it, we may have that for sure, and then we'd have to figure out, like, obviously, if it's your IP and it's your idea and you're coming to us and you're saying, this is the exact show I want to make and it's my concept, like, 
every deal is different. I, I wouldn't say that any two deals are exactly the same. Everybody's looking for something different. Everybody feels like something is important that somebody else doesn't. Um, and so it's really like about that relationship building and figuring out what is most important to you and how can we accommodate that? And, you know, are you gonna bring value to us and are we gonna bring value to you? I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is. I want to get to uh, what I think might, might wind up being the final question. I, I think we're all, on the, everybody who's on this panel and maybe everybody in the room is bullish on the podcasting industry because we wouldn't be here if we weren't. But um, one thing that I've noticed, and you know, look, I, I fit into the category of old crotchety person who was around before all of you whippersnappers showed up and ruined everything. Um, I don't feel that way, but I've talked to a lot of people. I, I've talked to a lot of people who are in my category, the people who were the the early wave of the podcasting industry, and I sense that some of them are a little put off by where things have gone, and it's not the way that they expected it to go, or things like that. But um, I don't like to think that way. I mean, I, I'm I, I look at the business, and I think there's so much opportunity. Uh, where do you think we're going to be in 10 years? Uh, I, I know that that's, a, that's almost a stock question, but where do you see us going? Um, do you think that the podcasting industry is going in the right direction, and where do you, you know, where will it stand among the media 10 years from now? Uh, we can just go down the list. Uh, Brendan, you have no... Yeah, see, you, uh, Brendan did not want to answer this one first. No, I... I <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I think that's good. Um, that's fine. You don't have to. No, I, I think one thing with digital media in general is it's like Shelby said, it, it's going to ebb and flow. And our job is are we a podcast network or are we a content network? Um, if people aren't consuming audio via podcast in 10 years, we want to be at the forefront of that. If, you know, the technology is to the point of you just hit your earlobe three times and <laughs> that Joe Rogan podcast comes up. You know, we want to make sure that we're then cross-promoting, serving ads into it, helping shows grow. We will all have the audio boom chip implanted in our brains. This is now an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but as far as, you know, I, we can't predict the future. Um, is it going in the right direction? I think so. It's growing. Um, more people are getting involved. Um, but we just want to make sure we're on the forefront of whatever comes next. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I think that center bubble for us was like making the heart a little easier, making life suck less. That's always what we want to do. Right now we're doing it with podcasts. There are definitely like, it, that's going to branch out, I hope, into other creative mediums because what we have found is that people are emailing us and saying like, thank you. I felt, insert horrible adjective. And then I listened to the show and I felt better. And that's what we want to keep doing at scale. That's always our goal. And I think like we have to be nimble for sure. Uh, which we are being. Shelby, you have 14 seconds. Go, Shelby. <laughs> I'll just say that I really do think that this is the beginning. Like, it's still, we're still up to bat or in the first, second, or third inning, and that's what's so amazing, so. She did it. She we did it. nailed <laughs> it. It just went to zero, and she nailed oh, it. It's counting up. That's now it's us. counting up. We're going in reverse. Ruin we're going to actually it. do this panel backwards. Uh, thank you, guys. You did a tremendous job of explaining everything. Thank you for bearing with us, and uh, have a good rest of the show.